Hello and welcome to Military Mantra. In this interview, we have today Commodore Vijay Pal Rawat, who have served in the Navy for close to 35 years. And in this interview, we'll try to understand his journey of joining Indian Navy, life within Indian Navy as a Marine Commando, and various life lessons that he has learned over his service. So, welcome, sir, and thank you for coming on the interview today. Thanks. It's my pleasure to be uh, along with you uh, uh, for this interview. Uh, so, my first question to you would be: You know, how did your journey start, and when did you decide you want to join the Indian Navy? What motivated you back then? Actually, in my case, it was uh, pretty simple. My father was also in the Navy, and uh, in fact, my whole uh, uh, my grandfather's great grandfather, most of the people were in the armed forces. So, it wasn't very difficult for me to make a decision of uh, of uh, a, a specific profession. Secondly, uh, my father was posted in NDA uh, at least four times. And uh, thereafter, uh, being a naval uh, person, uh, we were uh, always staying in the naval base. So, uh, you know, if you see all these things, uh, the environment around and all, so there was definitely a, a more attraction towards uh, joining the armed forces, particularly the Indian Navy. Okay, got it, sir. Uh, so, if you could also tell us, you know, your experience back then in SSB, because you told me that you got commissioned in 1986. So, before that, you would have gone for SSB. How was your experience, and how did you prepare? And what tips you would like to give to the aspirants who prepare now for SSB for Navy, Army, or Air Force? See, the Service Selection Board is a, a grueling five days uh, on a procedure where uh, you are tested for your uh, basic leadership qualities, your level of intelligence, your psychological bent and orientation uh, to to accept the challenges of a hard military life, as well as your uh, uh, knowledge, emotional intelligence. Uh, ability to understand people, ability to be part of a group, uh, and at the end of the day, uh, overall uh, leadership qualities are checked. Uh, in my case, uh, I appeared for the SSB uh, in 1982. That was, I think, first May 1982. I had reported to 18 SSB, which is in Bangalore, and we had a group of 34 uh, candidates, of which only four qualified. And let me also tell you that. Uh, Uh, I scored one of the very uh, one of the highest marks uh, that year in the service selection board, which was uh, 555 out of 900. And uh, just to compare, uh, the average passing mark uh, for SSB is 290 plus uh, or minus 10 plus 10 percent. And uh, it's very rare that people get more than 400, 450. And I scored 555. Basically, uh, the preparation for SSB is not like preparation for any exam, like you uh, class 10, 11, 12. A person who is uh, Uh, right from his uh, childhood, if he is uh, uh, grooming himself to be a, a leader, uh, and is keeping himself uh, aware of what is happening in day-to-day -day living as well as what is happening in national and international uh, scenarios, is able to gel well with the people around, uh, is able to participate, is able to help people. All these things slowly build up, and if you use a, a person who plays a team, a team uh, games like football, hockey, basketball, you know, volleyball, this kind of activities, uh, a person who's got the spirit of adventure, they are the building blocks which prepares a person automatically uh, to be able to uh, give a good uh, try in the in the service selection board. Uh, there are a lot of service selection board centers. Those people, uh, you know, they try uh, to train people, aspirants, and uh, well, they do give you. Uh, Uh, they build. Uh, they do tell you exactly how an SSB is conducted. From that point of view, it is okay. But uh, ultimately, it is at the end of the day. End of the day, what are the kind of preparation you've had throughout your life, which makes a lot of difference uh, for people who are appearing for the SSB. 
if you do not have it in you if you got been a trainable if you are a person who doesn't like to take leadership and responsibilities then i'm afraid uh, it may be uh, well like difficult for a person to qualify the uh, difficulties of uh, maneuvering the ssb okay okay so you spoke about a lot of qualities which has been looked at ssb so we also hear about something called olq called officer like qualities that there are some 15 olqs so does somebody yeah. develop those quality then go to ssb or does it get gradually developed over the academy what is your perspective about that you know actually if you make it very objective then it become very difficult for people to understand when you say 15 Uh, then people start realizing is it uh, like you know uh, you mugging up 15 things to pass an exam and get full marks but i'll put it this way uh, in my case uh, right from class 1 uh, till class 12th i was a class monitor and uh, i used to take part in all activities my father uh, used to groom me in the service way of uh, life so there was already service orientation plus uh, my father used to encourage us to play sports and i was in good in sports i have represented my school at uh, in a state level zonal uh, uh, football and hockey and also athletics and then uh, my father used to encourage us to participate in you know lecture uh, you know competitions and you know public speaking uh, competitions and you know kavita recitation competitions uh, and uh, storytelling competition in our school we should take part in dramatics and thereafter in class 10th i was uh, 11th i was the house captain and class 12th i was a school captain so what i want to tell you is that it is not necessary that for people uh, have to achieve all these milestones before they can easily crack the ssb what i'm trying to tell you is that uh, this is the kind of uh, requirement which is there uh, uh, throughout uh, class 1 to class 12 you have to be a good student you have to uh, have a sense of responsibility you have to take initiative and you have to work hard and all these things uh, would uh, be part of uh, your uh, traits uh, which will uh, keep you in good stead if you appear for the ssb coming to the officer like quality this is some uh, quantification of uh, Uh, the entire personality of a naval of of a armed forces officer and this is emphasis which you give on uh, all the training academies in the armed forces starting from the national defense academy followed by the uh, uh, the uh, the senior level training like uh, you have the naval academy uh, at azmala you have the army uh, indian military academy and otas in various places there is one particular ima then you have uh, the air force uh, academy in uh, hyderabad so these are the places where they groom you uh, with the good officer like qualities and what is officer like qualities essentially it is leadership qualities you can actually break it down to effective intelligence you know sense of responsibility self control self confidence positive attitude emotional intelligence decision making ability then you know liveliness and determination ability to you know actually be a part of a group then uh, take initiative be cooperative and ultimately this teamwork overall officer like quality nothing but the mark of a good leader and uh, uh, in the armed forces they train you so that you can be a good military leader at all levels because in the armed forces right from the time you get commissioned in the armed forces till the time you achieve the highest of the ranks based on your capability and your uh, uh, to certain extent luck factor everywhere the ability to lead a team uh, matters and matters the most because ultimately we have been trained to go the harm's way mm. so that is how i can sum up the officer like qualities correct sir so if you could also tell us you know your experience in the academy you would have gone to national defense academy and then to ina as well how was your life there any memorable incident that you would like to share with the aspirants or the audience the life in the academy was uh, very uh, very enjoyable uh, i would say that for that age uh, at the in the hindsight i can say life was very enjoyable 
uh, it was very adventurous but it is uh, an academy like nda is a, is a normal academy where you are actually uh, doing graduation pursuing graduation in addition there are various other subject they uh, teach you basically so that they can uh, develop your all round personality to be a good military leader these include you know uh, uh, no heavy focus on uh, discipline then a drill uh, physical training in the morning parades and then thereafter you know uh, to uh, conference building uh, things like swimming jumping from uh, 7 to 10 meters boat in swimming pool then after doing horse riding uh, bareback horse riding and then doing lane jumping in the horse with the horse and then you do uh, people do uh, you know gliding and then of course sailing at sailing the small uh, yachts and uh, apart from this there are like you study military history military geography you study a foreign language uh, apart from a normal regular syllabus for uh, science or arts uh, subjects uh this is a this in a nutshell is the life in the academy it is uh, very jam packed and uh, for that particular age uh, you would know what hit you uh, it is uh, mentally psychologically and physically very demanding and uh, obviously it has to be demanding because uh, the armed forces life itself is very demanding uh, when you compare i don't want to compare it with uh, the life uh, in uh, other sectors because i'm sure that uh, there is an element of high risk and high demand and uh, other very important uh, requirements but uh, just to say that uh, the life in academy is a reflection of what you want to actually face throughout your life in the armed forces got it got it sir so after you got commission you opted for marine commando course so you are also marine commando so what motivated you back then you know to join the marine commando force probably it was uh, i guess 4 uh, years after the marine commando was actually formed uh, yeah actually marine i i got commission in 1986 july Yeah. and uh, 1987 uh, was the time the marine commandos were formed mm. uh, and uh, i i did my sea time you know we have to every naval officer as part of his uh, uh, commissioning course has to also undergo uh, a six months tenure on board a ship where they do something called as watch keeping where they study each and every aspect of a ship right from the engine room to electrical power uh, generation system radar sonars uh, the weapon system missiles you know close in weapon systems the or the entire uh, torpedo anti submarine warfare uh, you know systems and of course uh, navigating a ship at uh, sea which is not very easy and uh, there are rules of roads and there are maneuvers and uh, there are certain engine regimes and all the sea is not very uh, very uh, for for uh, you know the sea is not uh, very kind to people who are unable to orient with the life at sea all these things and thereafter you get qualified by the commanding officer by by uh, being bestowed a uh, watch keeping certificate which qualifies you to be part of a ship and stand a watch in a ship so after doing my watch keeping i i uh, i realized that uh, i was uh, more inclined towards doing something more physically demanding uh, and something which which is slightly hatke which was the you uh, know mine cleanliness diving uh, officers course which is again a very grueling course physically and mentally very demanding so that happens in uh, diving school cochin so that course was for about a duration of 7 to 8 months so i did that course and obviously after completing that course uh, i did my basic uh, infantry uh, commander course at belgaum which is a uh, which is a good course of 33 days is very interesting course and nobody wants to repeat that course again and thereafter i uh, then volunteered as an obvious choice for the marine commander course which is the mother of all difficult courses in our country i must say yeah uh sir if you could briefly tell us you know how does the selection process of the training of a marine commando looks like back then and probably it would have evolved by now if you can briefly tell us about that 
Yeah, actually, initially we had uh, the Marine Commander courses, uh, which was part, which you, some part of the course was covered with the with the armed forces, uh, with the army, and thereafter some part was covered. The amphibious uh, part was covered by the Indian Navy, and you all had to have the background of being a diver, uh, means being an underwater operative. So slowly and gradually, uh, the, the course duration was also very long. Like when I did my course, I did 14 months of uh, Marine Commando course, which is actually very backbreaking. But uh, over a period of time, there have been people who have gone abroad and done the US Navy SEAL courses and other courses in uh, offered by various countries like Malaysia. And uh, so, and then they will, over a period of time, they realize that there are certain aspects of the course which can be enhanced further. And there are certain aspects which is which is repetition and should not be should not be actually part of the course. And overall, today we have a very very good course. And I was fortunate that when I was the principal director, special operation diving at naval headquarters, uh, I held that billet for almost eight years from 2012 to 2020. Uh, all these changes, uh, I was uh, lucky to be part of uh, all these revisions in the training, which has made it more uh, more uh, you know work oriented and also very effective. So that you know there could be uh, optimization of the training effort as also we are able to produce a very good combatant uh, who can be called himself as a proud Marine commander. Got it, got it, sir. Yeah, so now uh, coming to a basic question, which uh, what is required is that a person should be physically very fit. And when I say very fit means he actually has to be very, very fit. He should be able to run uh, one mile in about uh, five minutes, 40 seconds. He should be able to run uh, uh, two and a half miles with... Uh, 5 kg weapon in 5 kg pack in a time schedule of 14 minutes. He should be able to do about 100 push-ups in a in a time period of one minute. He should be able to do uh, crunches in a uh, in uh, the same time. He should be able to do about eight to ten pull-ups. He should be able to bear the physical uh, rigor which is required of uh, uh, being part of the special forces. He should be very good in swimming uh, because uh, marine commandos are essentially uh, no uh, amphibians basically. So you have to be very good in swimming. Doing both on top and underwater. Of course, underwater swimming uh, is uh, you, it's a specialized training which you do in diving school as part of the diving course as well as marine commando course. Okay. Then apart from this, one has to be uh, you know uh, very disciplined. One has to be have the a strong ability to be loyal to the organization. You should be having a, a great sense of responsibility, and overall you should have a very good uh, you know, self confidence. And I may just add uh, you know a sense of humor also. Because while doing this course, there are times where uh, you feel like giving up. Uh, there are times where you feel that, why have you uh, even opted for this course? Because uh, life is better outside. Uh, but then, you know, uh, it's, uh, you have the team along with you. There are people doing along with you. They are also slogging. And then you have the willpower. And uh, there is also, uh, you know, you uh, self-realization that, you know, once you become a Marine Commando, this is all you will do in life. So those kind of, uh, you know, picturization of uh, what a Marine Commando would be a lean mean fighting machine. All those aspects are there. And uh, despite that, uh, uh, sometimes you feel like giving up. So you need to have a sense of humor to you know, keep yourself more encouraged and motivated. Got it, sir. So if you could also throw light on, you know, how was your experience during the probation? And, you know, we even hear about the health week and um, also the blood oath that has been taken by Marine Commandos. So you could put a little light about those experiences as well. Yeah, the Hell Week, uh, you know, uh, now the Hell Week has uh, changed slightly more and it has become more effective. In my time, the Hell Week was uh, longer and uh, it wasn't uh, that physically demanding, I would say, as compared to what it is today. So I'll tell you about the Hell Week. Uh, what essentially happens in the Hell Week is it is a continuous uh, uh, 96 hours of non-stop uh, physical uh, 
uh, endurance performance and you do, they give you just about 2 hours in a day to freshen up and wear a new dangri and you know shave and all those things and be ready for the next level of physical exercise so it is actually you would say that 22 hours in a day you are you are not uh, allowed to sleep though you given food three times in a day you are adequately hydrated and in that uh, four days of uh, hell you are doing a lot of activities you know you are doing mud crawl you are doing long endurance swimming you are lifting weights you are lifting the boats and then pedaling the boats and uh, and then you firing also you doing obstacle combat uh, battle obstacle courses uh, and then you doing other you know commando pt where you know you lifting a guy and running uh, you know 200 meters 300 meters there after lifting they doing some karate then doing an arm combat uh, you're totally full of sand all around and you don't know actually what what is what is happening what uh, it's just a muscle muscle memory and it's uh, just that uh, you helvi uh, doesn't happen in the initial phase it happens in somewhere in the middle of the course so uh, by and large people are uh, adequately trained and uh, what is seen is that in the indian marine commandos there are very few people who get out in helvi uh, uh, whereas in the us navy seals uh, almost 80 90% people are uh, do, do not qualify the helvi but in the indian uh, navy my experience it will be just about 5 or 10% who uh, who go out of the course otherwise everyone else and the reason is that you know they have done the diving phase and they have done bulk of the uh, hard uh, hard physical endurance courses they after they come for the marine commando course so they are better physically and mentally prepared Okay. So, so if you could also briefly tell us what are the specific qualities that you look into, you know, when you select a marine commando. Uh, firstly, uh, his psychological bent of mind. Is he a team guy or not? If he's not a team guy, if he's uh, not, he's, he's got this uh, independent personality uh, and he doesn't believe in uh, building the team, then he's the last man to be in uh, uh, the special forces. Secondly, he need to have the ability to have uh, uh, ability to Uh, be very enthusiastic all the time. Uh, he should be able to uh, take all the responsibilities, whatever has been given to him, and of course, the risk-taking ability has to be high. And all the same, while uh, there is a saying that you know, Josh may host may not be. That kind of personality, someone we uh, we would love to have in the special forces. And there is an uh, element of uh, you know psychological intelligence uh, which a person need to have. Now, all these things when I say it is uh, not very easy. for people to understand what i am trying to say but when you are seeing people uh, doing their course and they actually wither out those people who are not good they just go wither out wither away and it's only the the good guys who get who remain at the end of the day uh, so people who are physically extremely fit mentally extremely strong and they have a strong sense of loyalty towards the organization at the same time they also have a very high risk taking ability and i would again like to add a good sense of humor right uh sir you also what uh, telling me about the blood oath which is taken which is very unique in the marcos yeah see every special force has got uh, their ethos and uh, they have their traditions and uh, i am quite aware of what the army uh, special forces do and what the garuds do uh in the marine commandos uh, we were evolving new so i was part of the evolution also what we have is that uh, at the end of the day when people have gone over this dueling 8 uh, months of course and uh, they are now the fortunate party we some people are unlucky also when they can get get hurt very badly and they cannot do the course or somebody gets medically unfit despite being physically and mentally very fit he is unable to be part of the group so he now tries the next time so those guys who are able to qualify the course they uh, they are taken to the uh, pratigya stall uh, and there they are uh, administer an oath uh, for the country and once the oath is uh, completed they are supposed to take out that dagger Uh, which every everyone is carrying in his belt and uh, then just give a slight cut on your thumb 
and then uh, give that uh, tilak khun kya hoti that's called and that uh, in my view is the greatest uh, self confidence a person can show and the loyalty uh, to the motherland got it so we keep hearing about you know the special forces it can be the para sf or it's a garud or the marcos what what makes them so special according to you we keep calling them special forces see uh, i have in my tenure of service of almost 35 years in the navy uh, i've been trying to convince people that special forces doesn't mean that you're a rambo or you're a tarzan you're a normal human being maybe you're uh, been bestowed and endowed with the better physical and mental abilities when i say mental ability just doesn't mean that you iq is very high mental ability to do the kind of activities which are required of you without saying no to it uh and and then still be able to go the harm's way because you're the first people in and you may not be out but the first people in uh, is the special forces in uh, any 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 armed force of the world so uh it special forces become special for a couple of reasons and one reason is that the selection of the people because you cannot produce uh, when there is an emergency you cannot produce you know special forces in dozens and in, you know in thousands you cannot produce uh it is very difficult for you to identify and then uh, and identify a person and to put him through the rigors of training and then make him a, a special forces command special forces person after 8 to 9 months every every army sf has got a different way of doing it the garud got a different way of doing it we got by and large the most elaborate way of doing it i'd say the longest course we have uh, which is basically the us uh, navy seal selection pattern that's what we follow uh it becomes the force the force becomes special because the people are specially especially trained they got better weapon and equipment and then the the country per se is able to give them the kind of support which makes them special if you don't if you make people like uh, tarzans but you do not give them any kind of support in the sense of best weapon best equipment best night sight best intelligence and best uh, launch and recovery platforms and all then they are no longer special so uh, special forces not only uh, brawn it is brains and 90% of that is the excellent support which individual services are able to provide to you to meet your strategic or tech or operational objective so if you could also tell us you know in terms of roles and responsibilities and as a routine as well how does one ideal day look like in the life of a marine commander officer see uh, any uh, any any country in the world where you have officers on the special forces after a certain period of time they get into uh, planning and you know desk jobs to a large extent the jawans or the sailors they are the people who spend the maximum time in the field so i would talk about uh, the uh, the life of a, a person when he is in the field 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 when i say field means he is not uh, doing a desk job it's generally uh, till about 8 uh, to 10 years of service you are actively involved with the with the boys in the field so we start our day at around 6:30 in the morning we do about an hour and a half of very rigorous physical regime which may include about 10 km run followed by about uh, about 1000 push ups and 1000 sit ups thereafter it could be a uh, it could be a long swim of about 2 uh, to 3 km followed by a mud crawl uh, that's that sort of sums up 1 uh, and a half to 2 hours in the morning then uh, we have the breakfast and all then come back uh, around 9 o'clock we start the second it could be uh, some kind of uh, uh, some kind of uh, exercise planning or some kind of classroom sessions and then you can have sometimes battle obstacle course you can have firing uh, means i'm talking about reflex firing 
you can go to uh, uh, long range firing by you know by area weapons and all uh, you could do also to combat diving underwater then in the afternoon uh, you have uh, classroom sessions or you have your other day to day activities and work uh, and then in the evening you have games and then after you may have a night exercise which could be point to point navigation at night or it could be um, uh, navigation at sea using small boats and your gps and all it could be underwater diving it could be diving in underwater craft which are specialized by, by in nature this is the uh, average uh, day for a marine commander we could have helicopter operations you know slithering rappling and you know there are other uh, other uh, complicated maneuvers we do with the with the aircraft uh, there is skydiving and all those things but these are all event which happens not on a daily basis but it happens you know regularly you could quantify it at, you know a, a monthly basis or you know three monthly basis like that but uh, the day of a marine commando is quite challenging because he has to keep on honing it idea is that once you train a person unless you keep his uh, skills honed because the problem with uh, the armed forces is that not that every armed forces in every part of the world is fighting mm. so we are preparing for we are preparing for a conflict which may or may not happen so now uh, you have to keep the uh, the keep the spear the spear actually you know shining all the time so this activity is, uh, is something which keeps you is called the regular workup is called mm-hmm. the work of a marine commando unit and uh, that's how you uh, you keep the cutting edge got it, got it sir so before i proceed to our next question i see a frogman badge is what you are wearing if you could tell us you know what, what does that signify this uh, this frogman badge actually is a is a marine commando insignia yeah uh, this was made in 1996 and it's uh, it shows a frog uh, which has got a mp5 uh, submachine gun in his hand and it has got uh, the flippers in his legs and a commando dagger in his uh, in his thighs so overall it sums up a marine commando basically an amphibian is a because we are uh, we are the only three dimensional force in the navy uh, in in the in the armed forces we we do on activities then we do sea activities we do undersea activities we do land activities so uh, there are elements of the army sf who also do diving course yes and there are also elements of the uh, garud who also do diving but they are small small uh, you know they may be not even 5% in the entire uh, special force of that uh, because their main focus and the main uh, the focus is on land and maybe mountains and you know high altitude which is again by itself a very challenging domain our main focus is on uh, maritime aspects like you know coastal areas beaches and you know oil rigs and ships at sea and also uh, uh, ultimately you have to fight on land also so underwater and then you go on land and uh, to go on land even to go at sea you need to have uh, some kind of uh, insertion extraction uh, techniques and skydiving is one technique which uh, and parajump all marcos are paratroopers all marcos are divers so that way so this actually signifies signifies a marine commando what you see behind is a, a diving helmet mm-hmm. just behind there is a diving helmet this is a standard diving helmet uh, which has not been uh, discontinued this was meant for diving deeper than 75 meters got it uh, i guess you got it from the diving school kuchin that's correct i was also an instructor in diving school okay. and uh, this is a uh, this is a memento which i will uh, uh, keep for my life till my life uh, time in my uh, in my position got it because Wait. this is something which i have achieved yeah, yeah. true sir uh, so you spoke about paratrooping so you know if you could tell us your first experience when you jumped out of an aircraft how did that feel like uh actually very frankly uh, it requires uh, a lot of guts to do para jump and 
in my case i would tell everybody will have uh, different views and uh, uh, moments uh, well there are people who will not be able to do the actual thing because uh, their inabilities and all uh, is something which people want to keep it as guarded but i am a free person so i would tell you that uh, while they teach you everything they'll teach you how to land and there are seven eight ways by which the wind can take drift you take you and then you can do the rolls and land so that the impact is less but maybe when you jump out from an aircraft it is the eighth uh, fall which you have which is which hurts you very badly uh, when you are uh, the training takes care of almost everything including everything so mentally you are prepared psychologically you are prepared you develop the self confidence that we can do the jump but then that uh, the fear of the unknown always remains and uh, in night prior to the uh, to the first jump uh, it becomes very difficult for you to sleep uh, sleep uh, comfortably then you get up and in the morning you start feeling that you know although i am i am a person who want to become a marine commando and what is so great about this and how i started the trainer so well i am very confident of myself but once you sit in the aircraft again the same feeling comes to you the fear of the unknown so what what if this happens what if that happens all this kind of you know ideas uh, you know actually uh, coming in your mind and and you're always overcoming when the aircraft is taking off you're always overcoming it and when they started as you okay first stick stick is a number of people who are sitting on uh, one side of the aircraft and they have to get up and then jump together one after the other so when they when the instructor says uh, uh, starboard stick rise very frankly uh, your knees start buckling and there is a butterfly in your stomach and uh, which is quite uh, natural because it is something to do with uh, your uh, psychosomatic uh, effects in your body which is very natural and it is it is not controlled by you is not controlled by your con- is subconscious so it comes because there is a uh, there is a there is an emotional aspect of a brain called the amygdala that is what controls it and it is good also because you know it makes you once you get all this kind of feel you become more conscious about mm-hmm. though it is a subconscious feeling it manifests as a, a physical feeling uh, you know what i call physiological feeling and then you are you become more cautious and you better prepared so all these things happen but i'm just telling you that uh, uh, the element of if you if you use a wrong word you can say that i am scared it's not scared but it is something which is different it's a, it's a unique feeling and once the aircraft uh, uh, behind ramp opens so all the noise of the aircraft inside it uh, and there is a sudden swash of uh, wind with gas in and then uh, you stand and there is a uh, amber light and there is a red light and there is green light and then we say green light go and they start to push you you jump by yourself if you are not the first jumper you are the third or fourth jumper you can see people falling like rocks you know as, as if somebody is throwing rocks from the aircraft and that sort of a something sort of a airy feeling and then you jump out any count 1000 1000 2003 and then you look up the parachute is deployed and once you are out of the aircraft that you know the cold wind hits your face and then there is total silence because aircraft is gone all the rumblings which happens in the aircraft which leads to noise is all gone you're very very peaceful you can see i've simply jumped in agra and you can see the you can see below you can see you know houses buses and of course you know farmers there and you can see some you know some bullock cart moving around there it's a beautiful and here in agra you can see taj mahal also from the from top and it is beautiful then the second part comes is when you have to land so the most difficult part is landing because landing may if you don't do it properly you might get hurt and uh, so whatever they have taught you the instructors take care to teach you it's about 21 days of ground training followed by by jumping because unlike in the in the civil uh, you know private uh, clubs and all they give you some 3 4 hours of instruction to make you jump and you jump but here it is uh, since you're going to do military jump both at night with weapons and all so they take particular care and there's a the beautiful syllabus they have 
to make a person become a paratrooper so after done the first jump you generally feel that you have conquered the world you are you are the emperor of the world and then when you go for the second jump you are slightly more uh, confident but again the feeling is same it's only after doing uh, 10 15 jumps that uh, you get that uh, you get that feeling but uh, people have done more jumps uh, uh, when i say more jump is 500 600 jumps including side dive sky diving they say that uh, this feeling comes it's a natural feeling but they know how to overcome the feeling got it got it sir so uh, if you could also tell us you know what, what was your favorite weapon back then as a marine commando when you were operating uh in my time we had uh, a sniper weapon psg1 okay now of course we got various kind of sniper weapons uh, uh, in the marine commandos yes that was good uh, but my favorite weapon was uh, uh the ak series you know akm akms ak103 and all the very good weapons very very sturdy weapons and of course the machine pistol 5 heckler and koch which is uh, perhaps the best uh, submachine gun uh, ever made in the world so these are my favorite weapons pistol of course uh, we had uh, only the the belgian uh, the belgian pistol which is now made in ishapur factory uh, 9 mm so these are the weapons which i liked uh, the most in our time we also had something called the crossbow crossbow was like a uh, yeah, you know, i have seen that photos yeah you see the crossbow yeah so that was also good but then we didn't fire too much of crossbow because crossbow has been phased out actually yeah Okay, uh, sir, you have spent thirty-five uh, years in Indian Navy. If I can ask you any three life lessons that you have learned from the Indian Navy, which you still cherish, any yeah. three? There are many lessons in uh, any every profession uh, in uh, in the country, and uh, but since you asked me specifically, I have to think about it. One is that human beings are very important. Number two is that it is the man behind the machine which which is more important than the machine itself. And third is every person. has got unique uh, capabilities and qualifications it is just that you need to tap the right person for the right job if you get this three thing right then i think uh, you are a good leader and you can lead a very good team not only in the armed forces but in any any organization including corporates or you know startups you can do a very fantastic job so these three uh, there are as i told you there are various but these three in my in my view are essential uh, qualities which a leader in the armed forces particularly in the armed forces need to think about not have uh so my final question to you would be you know a lot of aspirants would be watching this interview what will be your message to all those people who want to join the forces uh see if you want to join the forces don't go by the glamour aspect glamour aspect is like you know it just stays for a day or so a day or two though it it makes a difference because you also want to look good uh one has to take a conscious decision uh to join the armed forces the life in the armed forces is uh uh not easy by any any means because uh, there are if you talk about the army there are deployments far away from the families separations uh you are working in high altitudes deserts jungle terrain uh that is despite all the uh, all the precautions uh, and uh, the welfare activities taken by the by the uh, by the higher authorities still there are uh, challenges which one has to which encounters on a daily basis and now there is also the element of risk because of terrorism and you know other kind of activities in the air force also the risk is very high because of the flying and you know uh, when they fly on a regular basis is actually doing their doing fighter combat flying uh, which is as good as they they gone to war especially and also the uh, the helicopter pilots are flying at high altitudes you know uh, in in the western countries flying and landing at 9000 feet is considered to be high altitude but in our country 
you know, there are helicopters going to about uh, 22,000 feet, you uh, know, servicing people in the Siachen. So that is the kind of uh, life uh, people have to lead. In the Navy, of course, uh, the ships are out at sea for more than 200 days in a year. Life is uh, not easy. It is challenging. There are rough seas uh, and uh, there are exercises after exercises when you go to go out to sea. So people barely get time to actually sleep for more than four to five hours in a day. Routine is very tough. So this is the kind of challenge you'll always have, number one. Number two is that it is a very, very, very extremely disciplined kind of force where punctuality, loyalty, uh, and all things are given due importance. Uh, and there are a couple of fundamental rights which are not uh, uh, given to the armed forces. So this is the third thing. Then your entire life is regulated. You cannot say no. There is no, there's no word like no in the armed forces. If an order has been given, you have to follow it. You cannot say, no, I'm sick, I can go, you know, nothing like that. So, and then you're going the harm's way. You've been trained to go the harm's way. So mm. all those things out there, which are the uh, professional challenges and every profession has got challenge. So I'm talking about the armed forces. So this, having said this, I will tell you life in the armed forces, how, why it is good and why you must uh, give it a try. One is that uh, we are perhaps one of the most uh, looked after organizations in our country because we are a very well organized entity and uh, due emphasis given to human resource development. So there are a lot of privileges people have, housing, uh, you know, food and uh, schooling facilities and all which are there in all cantonments and all. You've seen cantonments are, I said, very good places. Uh, the uh, If you're in Delhi, you would have gone seen Sobhra Park and any other Air Force uh, bases. And if you uh, somewhere go to Bombay, Vizay, Cochin, Goa, you'll find uh, uh, the naval, uh, you know, the naval bases are also so nicely done up, and so that way it is much better. Uh, so these are the uh, uh, the issues of the armed forces. One has to be disciplined. One has to be reasonably intelligent. One has to be have the ability to take risk, and you know, one has to have the ability for seeking adventure. And overall, one has to be living under a very strict, disciplined lifestyle. If you are okay for all these things, then I'm sure that. Armed forces provide excellent career because talking about the Navy, you have got some, you, 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 the ships are very high tech. The equipment they use are extremely high tech. Uh, so if you're a software engineer, if you're IT, uh, there's a mechanical engineer, all these things, you know, comes to play. Then you have, you can fly an aircraft, you can fly a helicopter, uh, you can fly, you can go diving, you can be in a ship, you can drive a ship, you can do be an architect, you know, you can be a, you can work in the dockyard, shipyards and all. There are a lot of things which you can do. Uh, I'm talking about the Navy. You can be a hydrographer where you keep on you know, doing mapping of the harbors and you know, uh, and not only in our country, but also uh, other parts of the world. Then uh, you have uh, regular, you know, what you call OC deployments where you visit uh, various ports, African ports, Australian uh, African ports, European ports, and here you know, in the Southeast Asia, even to Russia and Japan and all this kind of China. So you can uh, go to such countries. Then you can have, uh, then you can have, we have a lot of this exercise with the foreign navies. There are a lot of interaction. Foreign cooperation also very strong. So overall, there's a good development of personality. And if you are married, then uh, you are staying in places like Bombay, Vizay, Cochin, and they were part of the port city, the, one of the best cities and the highly developed cities where the ladies, if they're there, they're working, they can actually get a good job. Your kids can be in a good environment. So these are the pluses. Army will also have uh, some uh, such places where they can uh, they can be very advantageous as compared to other uh, services. So overall, uh, life in the armed forces, though difficult, is very regulated, very disciplined, and there is an extreme, extremely high and thrust and focus on human resource development. Got it, got it, sir. So, 
uh, th- thanks a lot sir for your time on this interview it was you know really enriching experience of listening from you first hand experience of you know life in the indian navy and also as a marine commando and various life lessons i hope all of the people and the aspirants will be watching us will gain a lot of perspective so thanks a lot again sir for your time have a nice day sir jai hind jai hind is my ple- it has been my pleasure to be uh, you know uh, be with you akash and i'm sure that through this medium there are people who may understand what uh, i meant uh, what it is meant uh, when it, when they say that this is the armed forces and this is the ssb and this is the life in the navy and this is marine commandos we touched on all these aspects and uh, i would i must say that you you really framed your interview in a good manner and is very well balanced interview i am sure that people are going to benefit from it having said that i would also like to add that uh, if there is anybody who has any doubts about anything any aspect of what i have said and uh, perhaps what i have not said about the armed forces you can directly contact me through uh, through akash and i would be ever willing to help and uh, provide them a right path thank you very much and have a nice day